All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Okay, a couple people are here motivated. I'm really excited to see you, though. Uh, my name is Chris Pleckenpole, and I'm so glad that all of you are here. And one of the things that I love to do is get your questions and feedback. So in the middle of the service, with everything going on, I want you to ask me a question. And you're like, that's awkward. I don't really talk out loud like that. But I want you to text me, all right, and help me out here. Did, uh, there you go. This is happened last time. A little help on the old uh, getting me to my questions. Yeah, what I want you to do is get me to here. There we go. Uh, ask me a question here, and I would love to respond. We have a Pastor Plex podcast. comes out usually Tuesday-ish. And uh, I answer all your questions there on theology, culture, whatever, sermon stuff. I uh, would love to answer that. So whether it's about the sermon today or whether it's not, I would love to answer that. And you can listen to it wherever you find your podcast. Okay. Now, we're in a series called What's My Calling? And we've been really asking the question is like, God, what do you want me to do? And what we said last week that uh, Jesus, or rather Jesus said last week, Jesus was like, hey, my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you abide in me, you're going to do what you're supposed to do, which is bear fruit. In other words, Jesus said, vine, you're the branch, and the, your purpose is to bear fruit. And he said there's two primary fruit you are to bear. The first was joy, which is like your vertical relationship to God that no matter what circumstances are going on in your life, but vertically you are connected to him and the darkness of this world shall not overcome you. Isn't that great news? And so we live in that. It's like loving God with joy. Okay. Then, then the second fruit is, is not something you find or fall into. It's something you bear and it's love that you are called to love one another. So love God, love people. You've heard that before somewhere. And so what I want you to see is that that's sort of what it is to be a Christian, that you remain in him and from you, your life should look different. You should have a joy about you that you're not like Mr. Grumpy Pants everywhere you go. And that you should be loving people, not being a victim of everybody, of like how unfair your life is because you are a child of the king. Okay, so we said that last week. And then more specifically, like what are you supposed to do while you're here on earth? Like there's this connection to God and there's a way to love people. God, I got it, God. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. In other words, you can't earn your salvation, not a result of work so that no one may boast. You can't do a lot of great things, somehow God might love you. However, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the question that I'm asking, you're asking, everybody usually asks me, because this is, this is kind of how this works. Hey, pastor, I need to meet with you. What do I do? And that's kind of the question. And I, I love those questions. This, but I, I answer the question the same way about a hundred different times. So I figured I might as well share it on a Sunday morning so I could at least cover that and have like some groundwork to start with. Okay. So what happens, what do I do? And what they're saying is like, I feel a certain way. I have been told something and I don't really know what I should be doing. What's my calling? What is God calling me to do? And honestly, there are about, there's really three different things kind of that people usually come to me with. They say, like, the Holy Spirit has told me this. And I'm like, was it the Holy Spirit? Or was it your spirit? Like, and we all have that issue, right? Like, it's like something I really want to do. I really feel like this is my thing. I feel like I was made to do this thing. And that's God's spirit. Okay. Or, or and again, how do you know? And then what about 
You know, you have somebody really important in your life or somebody that you really like, someone that you want to approve of. They tell you to do something and you're like, well, they told me. Now, is it God's people or your people? And that, that's always challenging to figure out. Okay, and then finally, um, you pull a b- verse and you're like, it says I could have whatever I wanted right there. All I have to do is ask. You have not because you ask not. And nobody reads the rest of that verse because that's irritating and like inconvenient. And so what we do is we transla- translate, my, we take my word and we implement it for God's word and then we have a problem. So these are essentially the three different ways we figure out what my calling is, God's spirit, God's people, and God's word. And the hard part is discerning, is it my spirit, is it my people, or is it my word? And so I, that's where I want to go this morning because it gets confusing even in church world. I know, shocking. So here we go. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, if you're not familiar with 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's um, towards the end of the Bible. And uh, it is a letter from Paul, the last one uh, he would write before he is martyred. So we're going to chapter 3. There's only four chapters in 2 Timothy. So Paul is writing to his protege. This is a guy that he has pastored. He taught him how to pastor. He's like, this is how you do it. And he's like, this is what you should do. And there's the last days about to die. He's going to give him the info. He's going to give him the download of, of how he's going to have to interact with people and what, which is powerful. You're like, Oh man, I'm tuning in. Let me in on some of that. So we're going to start in second Timothy chapter three, before we open the God's word, would you guys mind praying with me that we can ask God to open up our hearts and connect with him. Father, I'm so grateful that your word speaks right to my soul. And Father, I'm praying that as we proclaim it this morning, it wouldn't be a bunch of mumbo jumbo that uh, somebody just said and like we do a little song and dance and we go home unchanged. But Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would your word uh, really be, have an empowerment and so that God's people could go from here uh, to go and push back against darkness? Lord, would you speak to us, especially on such a tough thing of what am I supposed to do in any and every situation, whether it's great vision, vocational calling, or whether it's in the day-to-day. Lord, give me wisdom. Hide me behind the cross and let what I proclaim be your word, not mine. I love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory. We pray. Amen. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Are you ready? Okay, I've got a couple people who are ready. Here we go. But understand this. He's like, he's like, you know, it's old man kind of getting a little bony finger in your face. Understand this. And he's having to do it through the letter, but you know what I mean. That in the last days. Now, which is kind of weird because... You would think we would have passed the last days by now, but we're still in the last days. So 2,000 years ago, as Paul is writing, penning this letter, and he's saying, listen, in the last days, there will become times of difficulty. Does anybody know anything about difficulty? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So we all know that this is talking to our time, and so so Timothy, who is a pastor, is going to be talking about, listen, you're going to have some difficulty in these last times. Now, watch this. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And I'm like, yes. Now, listen, <laughs> children, <laughs> you don't want to I mean you're pretty much right up there with the abusive people. You're abusing your parents right now. You're ungrateful, unholy, heartless. And so he's going through this list of stuff, which you're like, man, who is he talking about? 
these must be like the, you know, the people on the part of town where you don't go to. And these probably are not church people, right? But watch this. He goes on. Yeah, and he goes off. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this line right here, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Wait a minute. These are church people. Uh-oh, hold on. Let's go back over this. These are church people who should be exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, but they're exhibiting something else, unappeasable. That means they're ungrateful. You can't, no matter what you give them, they're constantly living in a victim mentality. Nothing you ever do is enough, okay? Slanderous. The opposite of slander would be like really kind words. So uh, the fruit of the spirit of kindness, they are slanderous, they Love to gossip, they love to kind of talk about you and how, what a jerk you are, etc. Without self-control. So the, you guys know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So without self-control, the anti-fruit is, wait, the fruit is self-control. The anti-fruit is without self-control. Brutal. The, the fruit would be gentle. The anti-fruit is brutal. Not loving good, which I guess that means that the Fruit is goodness. The anti-fruit is not loving good. That means treacherous. Do you guys know what treacherous, vocab word, SIT words, you guys ready? Leah, you get this? Ready? Here we go. Treacherous. It means duplicitous, kind of unfaithful in general. It could mean like you say one thing, but then you do another. You can't really trust them. Okay? So SIT word. Treacherous. So the opposite of that would be faithful. All right? So faithful right here. Okay. Reckless. That means you don't have self-control. Swollen with conceit, which means you're not humble. And and humility would be a kind of combo of kindness, gentleness, and patience, right? And then lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God have been back to, I want what I want when I want, and nobody can tell me no. I'm a lover of pleasure, not a lover of God. And then this. Here, these are the people, watch this, they're at church. They have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Now, I need you to hear me. This is, this is the part where I need, this, I need this to resonate. Do you want to know why churches die? Do you want to know why Christianity culturally is on the... It's because this right here. If you want your church to die, if you want the people of God to go away, then what you do is you sort of wink and nod at all of this, and we just appear to be godly. We deny its power because here's what you're saying. I, I don't want to confront any of this stuff because, listen, I, I might be not. I mean, what, what is this? I'm not brutal. I'm just not gentle. I mean, get over it. I mean, I, listen, I, I'm not reckless. I'm just kind of an adventurer. I like, you know, I take a lot of risks. And the problem with people that think like this, it's so self-absorbed. And when you're self-absorbed, it's what I want, what I want how I want it, I, but I can show up and I can use God terms. I can use godly words. I can use Christianese. And I can tell you about all the Christiany things. I can say words like sanctification and uh, salvation, soteriology and ecclesiology, and I can use some eschatology to make you think, man, he must be godly. No, he has appearance of godliness, but there's no power there. And this is culturally where our church in general has gone. Is we've said, nah, that's just too hard to deal with. Let's not. 
But this is what, this is why I love this. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who was a pastor. This is what he's dealing with 2,000 years ago. And how come nothing's changed? Because people don't change. We're still the same sinners we were 2,000 years ago. So the good news is we're all in the same boat. Okay, so watch. Have the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. And then he says, avoid those people. Well, they're everybody at our church. <laughs> and then he says this. For among them, and watch, this, is, this gets creepy. This, gets, this is the part where you're like, this happened 2,000 years ago, and it still happens today, and before the Me Too movement. Watch, watch, watch. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. And if there's anything that's, listen, this, it's not just church people, it's governors, it's CEOs, it's everybody across the country deals with this because this comes in over and over and over is that a man of power sees someone burdened and then he makes a move, he grooms them and eventually gets them to do his will and his way because he can't. Because I want what I want when I want and I want that one and she's easy target. Which makes everybody in the room a little uncomfortable. This is, this, is the, this, this is church 2,000 years ago. So if you think there's just problems with the church today, it's always been here. Okay, then, then he says this, which I feel like, if you think this is like our culture in some ways, this is our culture 100%. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And it goes like this. So how do you get that? You know, I don't really know. I mean, I guess Jesus is my way, but you do your way. I don't really know. Uh, and that, you know what? That doesn't offend people. You know why it doesn't offend people? Because when you say that, you're saying it doesn't really matter. Like you do you. I'll just believe my thing. You believe your thing. And let's just kind of, but this is church people. And if there's somebody that, listen, here's what the church is called to do. It's called to proclaim the message of salvation, that the world is lost in the midst of sin, in darkness and hell. And listen, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. Here's the message that I want you to receive, that you are a sinner. You're not any worse sinner because you're a different color than somebody else. You are a sinner. But Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin and he rose from the dead. And the hope that we have is that, and that's the truth. The problem is, if the church doesn't get this down, if the church struggles here, one of my professors at seminary, his name was Howard Hendricks, he goes, and it's about preaching, but it relates to just about everything. He'd say, uh, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Meaning if you're not clear about what's important up here, then there's no way anybody's going to understand what you're saying. But what I think what happens is when we're not clear about what is true, and what is not true. And we start redefining and get kind of fuzzy in what sin is. We get kind of fuzzy and redefining on what salvation is and who it's found in. And the truth gets a little muddy. Then our message is lost. Our power is gone. We have an appearance of godliness, but we deny its power. Do you see how that works? Okay. So then, so then um, Paul is going to write about a cultural uh, figure that everybody reading this would have gotten. At least that knew Jewish history. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. And you're like, who are those guys? Let me find my concordance, look it up. You're not going to find them in your Bible, okay? Um, however, 
the Talmud, which I know every one of you guys read in your free time. It's like some ancient Jewish like reading. It's pretty great stuff. Uh, and man, it, it's in, in depth. It's awesome. So they appear. And so, you know, Pharaoh. Okay. So Pharaoh, Moses rolls up the Pharaoh's like, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, he's, he's having that moment. And, and then he got, and he's like, Pharaoh's like, who the are you? And what, how do you know you're from God? Which God? He's like, well, bam, take a look at my staff. It's a snake now. What are you going to do with that? And then Johnny's and Jambra, that's who those guys are. They show up with their staff like, oh, we can do that trick too. Well, bam. And then Moses' snake eats up their snake. And he's like, aha. Now, now the, the tradition or the story goes that these two dudes, whenever the exodus happens, they roll with them. <laughs> and then later on in the wilderness, they're like, Moses. You don't know what you're talking about. And then they get swallowed up by the earth. Okay, so uh, that's sort of the story of these two guys. So just as these two guys oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be made plain to all. Which is sort of a weird thing to say, because we just heard that they have a form of godliness. Which would mean it would look like they sort of were Christian. But eventually, they won't be able to hide... Because the truth always prevails. You guys know that. That's why in the past there have been different heresies and different truth claims all over the place that eventually die out because God's word prevails and uh, the Orthodox Church of, of, of truth still is here. Now, we plain told, as was that of those two men. Now, here's what was weird about that. As we're going to see that the Holy Spirit... May, they may have, some of these people may have thought, oh, I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm just, I'm just not as, I'm just not like, you know, I'm not, you know, those, those people are too gentle. I'm, I just give them the harsh reality. Or, uh, you know, listen, I can't help everybody. And so like, I'm not going to help nobody. And so they would say stuff that sounded really spiritual. And maybe in their heart that like that sounds right. And, and the Holy Spirit is essential for determining one's calling. The problem for us is, which spirit? Because these guys at this church were leading people astray, saying really godly things, and maybe they even believed it. But the problem was they were listening to a spirit that was not the Holy Spirit. To which you're like, well, crud, Chris. I mean, how am I going to know the difference? We're going to get there. Uh, let, me, let me tell you kind of, instead of a negative story, let me tell you a positive story. So when I was uh, in the army... Uh, I, w- I was really, I was listening to, um, before podcasts, the radio, I was listening to the radio and I would be listening to uh, like Chuck Swindoll and Tony Evans. And I'm like, man, those guys are amazing. Wherever those guys went to seminary, that's where I'm going to go. And I, I'd find their book, look back, said Dallas Seminary. All right, one day I'm going to go there. Uh, I want to learn like those guys learn. I want to know the Bible. They know the Bible. And so I just gotten selected for special forces. And I was, I was leading the selection place, which was in North Carolina. I was heading down to Fort Benning, Georgia, and I was on I-85. And I'm driving on I-85 somewhere in between there, I think just crossing the South Carolina border uh, into Georgia. And I'm like, something comes over. The voice was louder than audible, and it goes, it's time. And I knew immediately what that meant. That meant it's time to leave the military and go into the ministry. And at the time, uh, when, I, when I felt this, I was about ready to kind of, my career was about to take off into, you know, Green Beret, jumping out of crazy airplanes, going and learning new languages and uh, traveling the world. 
But I knew in my soul that that was the right thing to do. And I had to leave it all behind. In fact, I get to, this was crazy. I get to um, the, the next training and they go, um, hey, some of you are about to make a call and you're going to say, I want to get out of the military. Don't do it. It's like the colonel in charge of the school. I was like, well, that was weird. Like, how did he know? And I'm like, oh man, is it, is it my, is it my spirit or God's spirit? And here this guy said, maybe that was God speaking through that guy. And I remember calling up my uh, pastor and the spiritual leaders of the church I just left in North Carolina. I was like, man, I, I was driving down. I heard this word from the Lord. It's time. What do you guys think? And they're like, I affirm that that word, uh, and God's people kind of said to me, listen, you got to go. God's calling you into seminary. You need to go do whatever you have to do. Well, it took me like three years from that moment to get to seminary, but I put the wheels in motion from that time forward. But it came from hearing the voice of the spirit and then getting God's people involved in on it. And I think that's what's so hard. Like, there's this reality. Like, you, this isn't just me and the Spirit. Like, how am I going to get God's people in? And I think this is why it's so important for you to be involved in the local church. And this is the part that nobody likes to do because that means we have to, like, be around people. And I don't like people. I don't know how many times people at church don't. I don't do people. And I'm like, well, the fruit of the Spirit is joy and love. Unless you're just loving yourself. That does, yeah, you know, it's just like, uh, all right. And so here's, here's what Paul writes. Watch. You, Timothy, however, have followed my. I, I want to emphasize that. You have followed my. Like, you've been in community with me. You follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. You knew how bad it got for me. Which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And then he says this little pearl of wisdom, which we're all wanting to delete. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Which you're like... Well, nobody told me that part. Like, I don't know if I want to sign up for the persecution. I'm signing up for like, ask whatever you wish. It'll be given to you. I like that Bible verse. Don't give me this Bible verse. This Bible verse makes me uncomfortable. I like Bible verses that make everyone feel good. Chris, I need an inspirational message. I want you to tell me how great it's going to be. I'm always going to be okay. Guess great vision for my life. Listen, it's, it is going to be true. It is going to be okay. It's going to be awesome. But you could go through some unbelievable persecution in the process. And that's why, that's why Christianity makes a really lame hobby. You're like, hey guys, c- come join my Christian club. It's really cool. First off, we do a lot of really weird stuff like singing about blood and like Jesus dying on a cross. And then we talk about how we have to die to self all the time. And it's awesome. And then we give our money away. Hooray. Like, well, who wants to do that? All right. <laughs> All who desire to live God's life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now watch this next part. While, watch this, evil people and imposters. Remember, he's talking about his church. He's, and he's like, yo, man, that's my church. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. These are the people that have an appearance of godliness, but deny its power. There are the imposters who really, 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 really want to be godly, who really, really, but you know what? They're doing it out of the flesh. They're doing, I want you to like me, like me, Christian people, like me. I'll do a dance for you. What do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden you get burnt out because you have no spirit. 
And then you start getting angry at the church. And you say a lot of stuff like, the church hurt me and the church did this. And you're angry because you were living as an imposter. And listen, don't take it the wrong way. It's just when anytime you live without the spirit of God and your connection to Jesus, you're always going to end up angry. Every time. Because you don't have any empathy for the other people on the side. Who is the church? The people who hurt you because they're going through the same stuff you're going through. But then there's also evil people who are literally like, I'm going to take advantage of these people because I don't care. Well, crud. <laughs> and the evil people in posture will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so you're like, well, what am I going to do? Listen, he's like, you need God's people. God's people are essential for determining what's calling, but you've got to know the difference between God's people and not God's people. Um, I had this moment where... Uh, I don't know, this is going to sound really, um, oh gosh, it's just weird. I'll just tell you the story. All right, so when I was uh, in, in the military, just about to get out, I had this vision. Like, I was in Iraq, and I was like, I think God wants me to tell my story about war and blah, blah, blah to at least a thousand people. And so I had saved up like $50,000 to pay for seminary. I was like, I'd saved it up, I'm going to go. And I was like, I know, I can use that $50,000 to pay for like, all these great bands. And I was going to get all these like, cool people that were really awesome in the early 2000s. I think the Afters was one of them that they I at least had them sign like an initial, I think they're called writers. Anyway, so I had them sign the writer. And I was like really pumped that I was going to get all these bands come to somewhere where I was, was going to find a, a venue. And I'm, I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And then I meet with a pastor and I go, man, I'm going to spend, fifth, I'm spend all my seminary money on a one-day event where I am going to talk about Jesus and all these people are going to come hear this Christian bands. And he goes, don't do it. <laughs> nobody will show up because nobody cares about you. And I'm like, well, you don't even know. And, well, and, and then I eventually, okay, all right, all right. But the, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. But man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I have this, this burden on my heart. That I'm supposed to share my story. And so, okay, then a little bit later, I get like a, you guys ever have a vision in the shower? Isn't that where you get most of your visions? Yeah, that's like in the shower. It's like, what happens? It's like, the, it's like mm, warm water. I'm at peace with one with the Lord. All right, so I'm in the shower and I get this vision of, I'm speaking at this church of like 20,000 people in Atlanta. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's the place where it's going to happen. And I start trying to like, see if I know anybody at this church. And I'm like, it's, I mean, it literally sounds crazy. Like I'm in the middle of Iraq as well. Like, and um, I'm like, I couldn't figure it out. And, and then eventually this thought came to me. I said, if it's supposed to happen, you don't have to do anything to make it happen. I was like, oh, well, that's really refreshing. And then a month later, I get an email from the pastor of this mega church, 20,000 people. It says, hey, would you want to come in and talk to our church? And all of a sudden, what, what I thought was going to be a vision for 1,000 people, I'm standing in front of 20,000 people on a Sunday morning telling the whole story that I wanted to tell, and I didn't have to pay for it. In fact, they paid me. It was like, wow, look at that. So that, I think there's this part of, right? I'm so grateful I had God's people in the midst of that to say, listen, you've Sometimes you have great zeal uh, and sometimes you really want to do God's work, but there's sometimes we're putting a whole lot of you in there. And if it's meant to be, God will make it happen. 
And I think this is the struggle that we have in a lot of our different career aspirations, in our relationship aspirations, and we're trying to force, make things happen. You do not have to force things to happen if it's God's will. You know, if it's God's will, God's bill, God brings you to it, he'll see you through it. All those cheesy lines, cheesy, but they're true. Write that down. God's will, God's bill, he brings you to it, he'll see you through it. Okay. Okay, so watch this. But then, like, the reality is, like, we need a, some sort of moral authority beyond, like, a feeling and beyond, like, some people. And, and this is why the Bible becomes so powerful. Watch this. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So you have this truth and your family brought it together for you. And from how childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. In case you didn't know what sacred writings are, it's the Bible. Now, you guys might not know this. The Bible's not a book. Did you guys know that? This is like a handy carrying case. It's for 66 books. And back in the day, to bring your Bible somewhere, you'd have to bring like a, a wagon with a donkey. And you'd fill it up with like a whole bunch of scrolls and codexes and like ancient manuscripts. And you'd be like, come on, come on. They're looking up a Bible study. All right, everybody. And so that would be a little awkward, right? But thankfully, technology like the printing press and then like your phone has now brought where the Bible is like literally in our hand everywhere we go. But for them to get acquainted with the sacred writings, that was a lot of effort. And he says, these are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the part that is because here there's like 10 commandments in here. You guys know these, right? Like, love your God, don't know false images, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy, honor your mom, dad, don't murder people, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't covet, uh, don't steal. Okay, We've got, those are essentially it, right? And so there's this moral law that is impossible for you to fulfill. Did you guys know that? Like you can't do it because you've already lied. And once you, because we are, once you murder, you're a murderer. Does anyone like, nah, he's just a sometimes murderer. <laughs> I was a mistake. No, once you murder, you're a murderer. Once you commit adultery, you're an adulterer. Once you lie, you're a liar, right? Like that is just reality. But here's what Jesus did. He took the punishment and the blame for your sin on the cross. And that's the whole point of Isaiah 53, which is Old Testament sacred writings stuff, which points to Jesus. Which is why, listen, if you've ever wondered, like, why is people just so excited about Jesus and grace and all that? It's because he forgave us all our sin. He who knew no sin, a.k.a. Jesus, became sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God. And so we sing the songs and we get all pumped up and we talk about being born again because we have no more sin making us guilty anymore. Freedom! which some people are like, mm, I already know you. You ain't changed a bit. No, there's now a sanctification process that over time they're going to be who they are in Christ. And that's, that takes time and it takes a lot of what we're about to talk about of community of God, God's word, and Holy Spirit work in their life. Okay, but the salvation part is something that we search through and you never get, t- this is why we never get tired of talking about the gospel. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. And any time, any time you find yourself in sin, like any time you go to porn or any time you go to uh, Facebook or any time you go to some sort of medication because your life is so hard, what you're saying, and listen, we all do it, but what you're saying is like, Jesus, I understand you died on the cross, but I need this. I need this other thing 
And so just keep your Jesus stuff over there for a while. I need to medicate on a relationship, on a show, on making fun of other people's social media, on whatever, right? That, that's, that's what we do. And then he's going to say, listen, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, which we need a lot of because we're broken people. The man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, which gets back to what is the work that I'm supposed to do? And this gets us back to God's word is essential for determining one calling. And then again, the question, which word? God's word or your word? Because I can pull a lot of words out here. But for God, it to be God's word, it has to be within context. It has to be within the principle, the truth of what's being communicated. Um, can I just be honest with you guys? For, for me, um, I read Second um, Timothy 3. I'll never forget. It was, it was 2003. And I'm reading Second Timothy 3. And specifically about the verse six of, you know, men creeping into women's lives and wrecking havoc. And I was so convicted by that. I was like, is that me? Am I that dark? And it was, it was as if like God put a mirror up here and I go, oh my gosh, is that me? Oh, someone get that off my face. Because the darkness of my heart had sort of, I remember like, it was 2003, I remember the, where I was, like, just kind of sensing that, like, there was a train wreck of ladies in my past that I was just, you know, from high school and college and just the, oh gosh, is that really me? And it was. And I had to be rebuked by the word to train me in righteousness to become the man of God that I'm still trying to become. So I had a standard of righteousness that, that, I was in God's eyes, but I was still progressively getting more like Jesus over time. And, and so this is the part where I, I ask you, do, do you read this thing? And do you put up a mirror to your soul and go, oh gosh, I got some crud on there. Because that's how, it's usually we, we put this up to other people's soul and go, look what you're not doing. You not doing this, especially to our spouses. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, that's... Too convicting. Stop it. All right. And so here's what I want you to see is, so how do you put all these three things together? So um, I love Venn diagrams. Do I have a Venn diagram, people? Okay, yay for Venn diagrams. I love Venn diagrams. Okay, here we go. So you have to have God's word, God's people, God's spirit. And so how do you know if it's God and not my? Okay, so let's just take a look. If you, for example, if you have God's word and God's spirit only, then I call you the lone ranger. What I mean by that is you risk for Jesus in secret. Now, in some ways, that's great. I, I want to applaud that. Like you're giving to the poor in secret. I don't even know about it. I don't even know. I don't, that's wonderful. You're doing, you living sacrificially for your spouse because you love them and you're not even going to tell her or tell him what you did. You did the laundry and folded it. You did the dishes and didn't even make a big deal about it. I still need to grow on that. Anyway, like what happened is I, I do like credit. I'm just saying. All right. So uh, I have a long way to go. So, but what you're saying is, but when it comes to like, Hey, I spent time with this person of the opposite sex and I want to keep that secret. Well, that's because you don't want to be known. And that's why you need God's people going, what the, are you doing? Watch this, watch this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. 
but the enemy multiplies kisses. And so what we're saying here is I want to, listen, I'm going to go to the Bible conferences. I'm going to go travel and be on the road. I'm going to go listen to all the different podcasts. I'm going to get all that stuff in my head and my heart. Oh man, I'm just feeling it. Hey, hey, why don't you come get to know a couple? Listen, I don't really do people. Jesus and I have a deal. I hear this is what happens when, when, listen, I, I love you guys, but this happens every time a single person starts dating, they disappear. They fall off the map for at least six months until they get engaged. It just, I'm no judgment. Everybody does it. And that's because of living together and having sex, right? And they're like, well, Jesus and I have a deal. And I just don't want, you know, it's just, it's kind of awkward at church because you don't quite understand the deal that Jesus and I have. And like, there is no deal. You just have nobody in your life that's willing to speak to you and speak truth to you, which is why you got your word and you're skipping all verses that deal with your sexual morality. And you got the spirit. It's just like, I just know like the Lord has just called me to her. I just, just, I can feel it in my loins. I just, that's what we do. All right. Okay. Can I, can I put that one down for a second? All right. All right. So then all right, what about, what about this? What about if you have God's word and God's people? All right. This is what happens. Um, and I'm, I, I'm sorry, Cody, for doing this to you. I did this to you last time. So I have to use your thing. So this is what happens is when we have God's word and God's people, but we don't have God's spirit, what ends up happening is we don't want the weirdos around. Listen, these people are weird. I, like, you did this in high school, okay? Lunch table. Who remembers that, that life? Lunch table, come on, come on. Get up there, yeah. You remember when the weirdie sat down, and you're like, no, seat's naked, right? Like, and you, or you just did this. Okay, how we doing? Yeah. Uh, and so what happened is there was this fear that you would lose influence or popularity in high school, or especially if that kid came to your youth group, you're like, listen, you're just, you know, you're... You just please stay away. I can't risk my popularity level. I'm at like a seven right now, and I can't risk a five because after you get five, you're just on a downward trajectory, and all hopes of any superlative is out. Okay? And so what happens is we start sort of getting people out. And then what happens is we graduate and we become adults, and nothing actually changes. And this is how you have a cult. We don't risk anything with the Holy Spirit because we want to have my people around me. We can study God's word and we just sort of ignore all the parts that talk about, hey, let's help the poor. Hey, let's go share the gospel. We don't, we don't really do that around here. We just like, you know, we just want to keep ourselves and we want to keep all you dangerous weirdos over there. You stay, you look different than me. You vote different than me. I don't want any of you people around me. Can you please go away? Was that awkward? Or how about this? Um, what we're really saying is we don't experience life outside our comfort. I like my people the way I like my people. And when you bring the other people in, I lose influence. And I'm trying to kind of raise my, like, you know, material, vocational, whatever sort of status. And you're sort of bringing it down. And when we do that at church, we are not God's word and God's people. We are my word and my people. Or how about this last one? This last one's probably where a lot of churches are at today. It's the fan club. Where we've got a lot of spirit. We love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And then we got a lot of people 
but we don't have God's word. And so what we're saying is we will support your every decision, just whatever you want to do, whoever you want to be with, go be with that person. I don't want to say anything that's going to make, might offend you. Listen, you know, it's all relative relationships come and go. You know, why would you go into a full thing? Listen, men, women, it's really kind of all relative. We live in a different age. The Bible really wasn't, you know, they don't, it's not, I mean, this thing is old. I mean, what else do you read that's that old? Nothing. I mean, if it's 20 minutes old, it's dated. So we, we're going to support you whatever you want to do. So remember, this is you being, you having kingdom, like the kingdom of God, where we love one another and we take care of each other without the king. And so I make up my own right, my own wrong, and you support it because you're not going to, listen, it's everybody want, we live that God becomes approval. Please like me. Please tell me I'm great. Please tell me I'm awesome. Let me say something that tickles your ear. And then, listen, we can all show up, shut up, and pay up, and we'll just keep going. And we won't offend anybody. And we, listen, God is love. He loves everybody and everything. And just a lot of love, 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 love. But there is no truth. Always learning, never arriving at the truth because that is offensive. And so when it comes to like centering yourself on where God's will is, when you're asking, what's my calling? It's right in the middle here. God's people, because you know what, it, what's really cool? When, when things are amoral, do you know what I mean by amoral? Like not good or bad. It's like whatever you want to do. Well, then there's freedom. Like you have great people and they can say like, wherever the spirit leads you, go for it. That, that's a great place to be. Uh, but I feel like for a lot of us, we're so afraid of getting rejected or someone telling us no that we don't hang out here. And so, um, listen, it, if this is you, if you're in any one of these spots, man, I am so glad, first of all, that you're here. If you're not a Christian, if there's never been a point where you said, listen, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I've sinned against you in my thought, my words, my actions. And I've been at church a whole bunch. But I've never gotten on my knees and said, Jesus, I'm doomed unless you save me. I believe that you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead and I believe your Holy Spirit can fill me up if I just ask. And I, my hope is that somebody might ask for that right now. But if you've been a Christian for a while and you've kind of got confused and it became your word or your people or your spirit, I want us to kind of repent and go to God's spirit and just answer the question, how will you determine your calling? And my heart for us is that we would really trust God in all of that, that he has our best, and he's lined up people that really do love us. That the wounds from a friend can be trusted. That God's word is true. It may be ancient, but it's still true. His spirit still speaks today as it always has. And so I want us to be a people who wrap our head and our heart around this truth. And you might determine your calling for school, for work, for love, for whatever the thing is with this grid so that we don't end up being train wrecks. Going like, I didn't know. No, you knew. You just were willfully ignorant. So we're going um, to pray, and then we're going to take communion. And one of the things I love about communion 
It's it's a moment to remember why we're doing this. Right? Because if if you're not a Christian, this is like, what? I mean, this is where if you're not a Christian, it's like you guys sing all these weird songs about blood and testimonies and being different and changed. I don't know if I've experienced that. And so one of the things that Jesus did so we'd be reminded of it is that we, he took, Jesus took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take communion and remember that our soul feeds on Jesus like our body feeds on bread. And that same night, Jesus took the cup. So this is my blood shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. To remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us. And our resurrection power comes from that. Now this morning is, is really particularly special. But after we take communion, we're going to celebrate some baptisms. We're going to have a tri-dimensional, or tri, no, tri-generational baptism. So Heidi, her daughter Brooklyn, her daughter Haven. And we're going to baptize them in succession like that, which is kind of cool. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Hallelujah. And so if that is, if you're like, what does hallelujah mean? That means praise God in Hebrew. There you go. And with what we're doing here is we're celebrating what God has done by coming into the life and changing someone who's dead and now alive. And if that's you, we, we say, come on, take communion for the very first time. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from dead and you're ready to receive that, we want you to enjoy the relationship with him and celebrate it by taking the Lord's Supper with us. But if that's not, you don't take communion. Just be like, ah, oh, wait a minute. And if you're a Christian, before you take communion, I want you to do something. I want you to do a heart check. And wherever you need to repent, wherever you need to confess sin, wherever like maybe God's word, maybe, oh man, I didn't realize I had that on my face. You repent. Say, God, get rid of that. Cleanse me from the inside out. So we're going to pray. We're going to confess, repent. We're going to take communion. Then we're going to watch a baptism video, and then we're going to baptize. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we know that you are in complete control. We know that you love us and that you uh, want what's best for us. And so, God, I just pray as we're seeking out what your will is, as we're trying to live it out, as we're trying to do the good work that you created us for, you make it really clear. You said in your word, James 1, 5, any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of you, God, and you would give generously wisdom to anyone else. So, Lord, we're asking. Lord, would we hear your word? Would we hear from your people? Would we hear from your spirit and not our own? And God, I'm praying that somebody for the first time might step over that line of faith and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I sinned against you, thought, word, action. I believe Jesus, you died on the cross. I believe you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. And you change them. And God, I'm praying for somebody who does know you and they've got stuck in people-pleasing, got stuck in secret-keeping, got stuck in... living their own life and just telling people to support whatever they want to do. Lord, would you convict them and not a sense of guilt, but a sense of conviction and then they would come to you and confess and repent. 
grace and power, hope and peace. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, three generations getting baptized is kind of amazing. <laughs> you don't see that very often, that's for sure. And so something special is happening here. And I want something special to continue to happen in you as you leave this place. And so imagine what would happen if God's word was in your soul. And you looked at it and you reflected on it. You saw the dark stuff that, that you didn't want to have a part of your life and you repented of change. Imagine having following the spirit of God, not your own spirit. It's so taking risk for the kingdom and not your own pleasure. Imagine... Um, being around a family of God that when they told you a hard truth, it was because they loved you, not because they want to put you down. And you understood that the enemy is the one that multiplies the kiss that says, do whatever you want to do. Imagine what happened if we had all three of those. We sought our calling. It would transform us, our families, this church, and that city. Would you receive the addiction? Go. Go and be a people who trust and risk with God's Holy Spirit. Go and be a people who trust and love God's people. And go and be a people who trust and repent at the calling of God's word. Go and push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.